0: It's uh, nice, as always, to be back. Uh, can the uh, women hear me in the Ezzaz <laughs> uh-huh. Uh Okay, um, if that uh, persists uh, as I get into it, uh, let me know. We might uh, move you down. Meanwhile, maybe all the men can just move up here. Uh, there's still spaces. That way I won't have to. There's no mic here. The acoustics are not bad, but why, uh, why tempt it? In the case the women have to come down. Um. <clears throat> hey, there's plenty of room. We'll move all the way up. There's plenty of seats over here. I'll also take him. Uh, room for people coming in. Um. Uh, Shui, you'll uh, you want to take a poll of the women in the middle and have them move down or do you want to uh, move them down now? Do you want to move them down now? Huh? Okay, well, the last um, if the women want to move down just uh, maybe take the uh, the corner over there so a few of the men can move up make some uh, move for them maybe take the back rows there Uh Okay, the shir is uh, sponsored by Rufu Shlema, Chayabas, Bas Rezel, and Pinchas Matasio Ben Bella, The eschus for their speedy Rafu Shlema. Amit HaShem, we hope to uh, continue the weekly shear. We changed the clock uh, sometime late in November, so uh, uh, the Gavayim will be letting you know exactly the timing and the format uh, the format. But Leo Anubi, after his showdown on Har Carmel, was threatened that if he stays in town, they're going to kill him. His didn't have any uh, compunctions or scruples. And uh, she felt, even though he won, she felt that uh, he was getting in her way of spreading Avurazar and Nevi Baal. He just killed all of them. And he took it seriously and he runs and he runs into the Midbar and the Kosh brings him to Hatsinai. The famous uh, series of Pesukim. He goes into the same cave where Moshe Rabbeinu was. Eilavrasham eilavrasham what are you doing here? They destroyed your Mizbeach, they killed your Nevi'ah MS. And I'm the only Navi that's around that's uh, willing to and able to tell the truth. I'm the only one left, and now they want to kill me. Hashem tells him, You stay here. And the earth is waiting for the Shekhinah to pass by, so to speak, and there's a tremendous wind, a wind that can break mountains and uh, break rocks. And the Prophet says, Hashem, the Shekhinah is not in this tremendous show of force. Hashem and then a tremendous sound comes. Hashem is not there either, Hashem is everywhere, but this is not the Ashura Sashina that Novi is going to be privy to. Vacha and then there's a tremendous fire and loi bashem. Vahish called the Mamma and then there's a very, very soft voice face Very reminiscent of Moshe Rabbeinu's experience with the Shechina. And the question repeats itself. What are you doing here? So uh, the answer he gave before was a correct answer. So he gives it again. And he goes through the terrible saga of what... Uh, Clyde has at the moment that the they're not too friendly to Chachamim, Tzadikim, and Nevim V'v'asereni levadi V'akshus nafshil'kachtin repeats that uh, I had to run away because they're out to get me as well The very next passage V'yem Ha'ashem Elav Leichshu Ladarkacham Midbarah V'tambah Damasek V'bosam HaShaktas Chazal HaMelech HaRam He sends them one last mission to be Meishech HaMelech HaRam and then he tells him, ben mechela, "I want you to appoint Elisha as the new navi, leading klaizer." Which means that he was retired from his job. Now we all know he never retired. of fact, a very busy schedule. He shows up at every bris, and he comes as a gililio to those in need throughout the various generations what exactly happened why did Hashem ask the question twice the answer was the same because Elio obviously didn't understand what Kosh Baruch was looking for and after a second answer he was relieved of his duties Elio did not do anything wrong the answer was correct there were a lot of Risham out to get him and out to get the other Nevi and out to destroy Tehran and he was telling the truth so what did he do wrong the answer is, wrong is too strong a word. Hashem introduced the concept that you were the leader of clients for many, many years. You did a fabulous job. You tried your best. And you will continue serving me in various capacities more than any other Navi for the next couple of thousand years. But right now, in this generation, we need a different type of leadership because the people are not responding to your mahalach of kaneisi. Kene- Kanois is very important, and when you do it Lashma it's tremendously successful often, but not all the time. And apparently, HaKadosh Baruch Hu told Eliel and Abi that there's going to be a changing in the guard. Again, you didn't do anything wrong, and you were at tzadik Yisraelim, and I'm going to use you and keep you more than everybody else. Others retire and then die. He never died. But right now, Kalei Needs a different mahalach. And you look from here on in the mahalach of Elisha ben Shofot is one where Koshbachu does many, many nisim, nisim gluyim, to try to win the people back with toiv and chesed and sugar and honey. They didn't respond to the fire and brimstone, so to speak, so perhaps they're going to respond to the cold de mama daka. The ruach that broke harim and the aish that consumed didn't work, so maybe we'll respond to the soft approach. Whether it worked or not, in Alicia's time is a different schmooze. Sooner or later we'll get there in the Navishir. But we see from here that every generation has its nisianis and every generation has its reaction. And the reaction, everything is good and everything is correct, the question is what fits? The reaction of the Mahalach of Chinuch, and how to lead people and how to build people and how to get them to do Tshuva, which is what we're here to discuss, changes from generation to generation, which is a fascinating idea. Teres Amis is one Torah, but there are different applications, and there's time for Kanos, and there's time for Ruach and, ish, and there's time for called the Mama Daka. Uh, in case you haven't figured it out, we're in a generation that doesn't take too kindly. The heavy-duty musr. I say that with um, trepidation. The truth is, it's not my vote. Uh, I will show you soon that already in the 1950s and 60s, uh, Shach was saying it, and the Chaznish was saying it. We'll get to that later. But on the one hand, to the great credit of Klay Yisrael, people are very busy. You just had a whole Shabbos where you learned and davened all day. Now you have to go to Slichus at uh, at 10 to 1 in the morning. You don't have to be sitting at a drosh in between. So we're certainly not here to speak down on Clay Israel has a tremendous shefa to want to learn how to do the right thing, and to get hadrachan, to get direction, and I witness that all the time. I consider myself fortunate. I'm with uh, people who are constant mavakshim. We say that over here as leaders, as parents, as teachers for others, and as teachers for ourselves. What, do you say do we need for our particular generation, our particular matzov, that will almost guarantee there will be more of a response? And it seems to be that the uh, fire and brimstone is not working because if you drive home the point too hard, people get depressed, and then they can't get themselves moving. They can't pick themselves up, and they do an avera, and they get down the dump, and uh, the Yitzhar has them exactly where he wants them. That is the biggest weapon of the Yitzhahara, to get everybody depressed and there are nobody and there are nothing and they can't do this anyway and they're not very good at this and therefore they don't bother trying. Now, Yitzhara Petterberger, is the Talmud of Bisal Salantar. It brings down the Gemara and Sukkah that the Yitzhahara has seven names. And one of the names is Safini, something that's hidden, which means that you could be moving along, doing pretty well in life, and uh, let down your guard because things are going so well. I'm learning well, I'm davening well, I'm giving stucco. Children are doing well in yeshiva, in and Yakov. And then you let down your guard because things are going well. So finally it's the hidden one that jumps on you. And he says a very interesting teich. His mahalach in Lusra, which uh, must be our mahalach today, is that perhaps in contrast to earlier generations, if the Eitzahar does jump on you and catches you by surprise, and you have a real Nefila, Rachmar So the intellectual approach would be, okay, let's examine how this happened and let's focus on it, let's do tshuva and uh, think of what kapar is and all that is important, especially these days, Leel for the next couple of weeks. But the Ritzler says that the first reaction we should have is to get up and brush ourselves off and go weiter. Don't focus on it. Because the Ezekiel wants you to focus and over-focus and get down and give up. The so first thing you do right after the Mahapala is to brush yourself off and go right away. Go as magic and learn. Go to a Mitzvah. Don't do something that will make you feel good about yourself that you can really do this. And you're good at this. You just happen to have a bad day. You met up with Safani, or whatever other name he might have and he got you by surprise. And he says based on the Pasuk of Mishle Sheva Yippor Tzadik V'Kam Sheva Tzadik will fall seven times and continually get up right away. He says that's connected the seven kachas the seven names of the Yetzirah The Russia lucky b'ra. The Russia gets hit with the first one, which the first name of the Yitzhak is Ra, and this is a tzaddik, and a Russia is not their inherent character traits. A person can be a and drift toward becoming a tzaddik, or drift toward becoming a Russia, and it depends very much on our reaction when we fall in. And it's a tricky balance. On one hand, you don't want to just sweep all your various under the carpet because it is less Flichus and Rosh Hashanah is coming and is coming you have to write them down you have to make a list you have to focus on them the other hand you write too long a list and you can get depressed and become immobilized I had a conversation with a bachar today a very a real Ben aliyah. We have a lot of hush here I see and uh, came to me and he said that he took my etz uh, I spoke to him a little bit about it beforehand at the beginning of it he took my eight and he started writing down his progress not writing things down you can't possibly know what you're holding if you're not tracking, every night you're supposed to do Cheshman and F for a couple of minutes before saying Hamapil uh, and Kriya Shema. That's assuming you're saying Hamapil and Kriya which you should be doing. And right beforehand, you sit down and uh, you make a Cheshman of what you did during the day. And if you don't have time to write every day, once a week, jot down a few notes. Everybody's walking around with some sort of organizer, electronic organizer. You write it down and you have it uh, for posterity, at least till Yom Kippur. And then you can erase everything because that's hopefully what they're going to do in Shemayim. But until then, you have to be able to track your progress. How can you possibly know what you're holding without a balance sheet? So I shared this with him. I shared it with and He came over to me afterwards. He said, it's an amazing idea. and He never thought of it, never tried it. I said, it's Paschal. It's basic. If the item over here hasn't tried it yet, start uh, tonight's a good night. Start as far as you can remember. For some people, that's this morning. Uh, if you can go back further, track in every area. Your Talmud Thera, your Deberma your Stockless, your Davening, your... There are so many categories. If you don't measure what you're doing, you can't contrast it with what you did last week, last month, and last year. You're not going to know whether you have met any of your benchmarks from the year before. So he came over to me and uh, today and he said he followed my advice and the document is about 80 pages already. So I said, really? That's interesting. He said, yeah, it's getting kind of depressing. 80 pages is uh, quite a document and he writes small. So I told him, I said, you know what, why don't we just condense it to like 10? So he out to being the whole stack of paper on Yom Kippur to shul. I said, you're going to be dominating like past uh, Rabbi and Thomas Meyer. You're going to be in the middle of Shacharis. So I said, condense it. So he said, well, how can I condense it? He said, it's all true. So I said, maybe just summarize and take the top three of each category. So he, I don't know why. he said, I'll make the time, I'll dive in all day, I don't care if I, uh, I'll stand there all day and dive in it. I said, because I, I don't want you getting down about it. He said you can, after a list like that, I didn't see the list, but after 50, 60 pages, you can get the uh, idea that you're really not doing very well at all, and therefore, after all this, why bother trying? Which is exactly where the 8 Sahara wants you. So you have to make a list, the list has to be brutally honest, but as the list grows, I think you need a counterbalance to have some positive things on a positive list of things you have accomplished. And again, it's all part of the contrast. See what you're doing, see what you could do more. But it can't be all negative. Chhazam say there's a very famous verse uh, on why we sing during a public vidui. Chhazam why are we singing? We sing but it's a tune, it's a little haunting the tune, but it's a tune, is not strange. It's a funny time to sing. You want to sing during Kaddish, you want to sing during Kaddusha, why sing during Vidui? And al it's says just that. He says we want to strike the balance between being very upset about our virus and not going down the tubes while we're derating ourselves for doing such silly things. So as we talk about the Vidui, as we say it, we sing it to show that, you know what, we have a long list, but we're still good Jews. And we're trying. He came to the Chaznish, as I mentioned before. And the Chaznish was discussing with a number of Mechanchim, and parents. The Mahalach is in the 1950s. Chaznish died in the early 50s. so Late 40s, early 50s. And he told the Mechanchim assembled that in our generation, you have to give every bocher, whether he's a student whether he's a child, this applies to the Bacharets as well, whatever the female translation of that is. You have to give every Bachar a spoonful of covid. First time they ever heard such a thing. This goes against all the Sifrei, well, the classical Sifrei Musar about Anivus and and run away from covid. He said you have to make sure every Bachar every morning gets a teaspoon of covid. So the Machanchem were there and they were smiling. I never heard the Interesting idea. And the chaznit says, You're smiling. I guarantee you that when you grow up and you become older parents and grandparents and you see another one or two generations, later on you'll have to give them a full bottle in the morning, not just a teaspoon. Prophetic. Here we are two generations later. And I don't think a bottle does the trick, maybe a skid load. But why is that? We're, we're giving, we're, everything has to be encouragement, encouragement. The we saw already where it was going in the early 50s, where society was going and where uh, Yidden were going with society. Without a constant buildup, constant encouragement, the teaspoon in the bottle is not going to work. That applies to our children, it applies to our Tamidim, and it applies to ourselves as well. And this might seem like a funny thing to emphasize during a chuva Roshu. are we here to hear fire and brimstone? What Baoliyah, where we are? I'll leave that to the local Rabbanim. Maybe they'll have a closer look. Pashas is, is that you first have to solidify your position as a very good, firm, healthy individual who can has, can, and will do tremendous things for themselves and for Klay Yisrael. So if you don't emphasize that positive, you won't reach for that. I want to share with you excerpts from three beautiful letters written by Rav Desler to his son. When he wrote these letters, he didn't know they'd be published. If they're not published. You won't find this in the Mirtam but they found them in the Se- Sefer for Rav Desler. Uh, published uh, relatively recently. You get a glimpse into the godless of Desler as a teacher, as a parent, and as a leader at Yisrael, focusing on this new mahalach that uh, he feels apparently, I'm sure it's not just for his own son, is the only way to go. He starts off Haley <laughs> Ko he tells the son, My whole life, my spirit, my goal is to see you happy and successful. Of course, you have to define what success means in the eyes of Rav Dessler. Obviously, it means he wants him to be formally, he wants him to be a Tamil But the first thing you have to let him know is, I believe in you, and I only want to see you happy. And whatever i tell you is in that context is I want the best thing for you. <laughs> the only real only you're going to have in life is Yerufnius. Everything else is transitory and ultimately counterproductive. <laughs> I'm sending to you my beloved I want to Share with you some of my thoughts in Musr. I want to hear your opinion. This is what death talk to a son. Why is he entitled to an opinion? The answer is whether he's entitled or not. You want to hear his opinion. You're of his opinion. The fact that it might be wrong is irrelevant. This is the opinion of a young man. And if his father's not of his opinion, then he is ultimately going to come to the conclusion that the father is somebody he looks up to, is that his opinion is not worth much, and therefore he's not worth much. So Bessler tries to set the tone at the beginning of his letter. He starts off the letter, I received two letters from you, this is the age before cell phones and telephones for that matter, being used in yeshiva, these to actually write. I see you're learning well. A smart son like you should understand Nachas you you have no idea how much nachas you give me when I get these reports. And he gives a Black Bakh, that it was each other to live to see this Machas. And then he adds, quotes the famous Majush and Russian. Had Ruven known that he saved Yesaf, the Pastig would report that he saved Yesaf from his brothers, had he saved him, he said instead of killing him, might have put him in the barn?" Sort of saved him. I mean, it did save his life. Had he known the Pesach was writing this up, he would have picked him up on his shoulders and paraded him back to Yaakov Avinu, which he didn't do. Had he seen, had he known that the Pesach is writing this up, he would have done it in a more grand way. The reason it's in Rus is because it says the same thing about Boyez when he gave Rus the food that he gave her, which was nutritious and sufficient, but it wasn't a shmorg. And he says to his son, We have a new life, we have a new spirit when we hear this good news. You would do twice or ten times the amount of what you're doing now if you'd realize how much Simcha this brings us. That's a very nice way of giving musr. Basically saying, you're doing Gewaldik, but as any Rebbe or father would say, you could even do more, reach for greater heights. Why? If you know what simcha, everybody wants to bring simcha to their parents, you know what simcha this brings me? If you know what enjoyment, a nachas, this gives me and your mother in life, you would even try harder. And of course he adds, he says, this is not the reason we do El Veth Hashem, we do it L'Shema, but if the Medjush can write this about Reuven and about Bayaz, that I can write to my son, that you should know that we're watching. And we're taking note that it gives us tremendous simcha. At the end of the day, every child wants to please a parent. And it makes a child feel like a real God for him, And he sees that what he's doing is being recognized by people. And it gives him tremendous nachas. At the same time, you put in the musr that you can raise the bar a little bit. He continues, And a third letter, he writes uh, pretty emotionally. I received your beloved letter. The letter I waited for with such impatience. Impatience is not a good middah. Why are you writing that? The answer is when you're waiting impatiently for your son's letter, because you want to hear from your son and your maksha, what your son has to write, and you're able to tell your son that, that's a middah, not a chisarin. My heart did not. I had full faith and trust in you. I already saw your potential from a young age. I give you the proper tools. You will become the person that I expect you to become. And then he said, "I read the letter, and then I cried." I cried like I never cried before. I don't know what he wrote in his letter already. I read it many times. I know every letter by heart. Um, Dessa is not exaggerating. That means he read it over many times. And I can't believe it. And then he saw I'm I'm in shock. What did he write? So apparently his son had written him Machshava uh, in Musr that he had thought of, and he wanted to share with his father. Most of the letters going back and forth had content either in Tyre or in Machshava. So what shocked him? I can't believe it! You wrote the exact same thing, the exact same theory I was formulating here, hundreds of miles away and nobody could have known about it I just started formulating this the last few weeks I had it in my own notes and you're writing from across the ocean what is this mental telepathy? how is it that you formulated the same idea and you write a Kiddush to me and I was writing this in my private notebook and nobody saw it yet it was not published so what is it? He says, This is what you have. This is what you get when you have proper chinuch, proper training. You have two people with the same shifas looking for the emes. And he says, This is the king of the Pasik He'shev le'ev banam al It doesn't only refer to tshuva. It refers to the fact that the parents and the children the generation the coming generation should have the same aspirations and the same shifas. And he says, the reason he cried is because he saw that he was makayim that and it actually happened after many years of hard work that we have the same goals. And that is chinuch in a nutshell. How to create an environment at home, how to create an environment in yeshiva, how to create an environment in the community where the next generation sees such positive energy sees with positive attitudes, see such sincere Hashem, that they're interested in following suit because it looks to them as something that's really fulfilling. We had a um, last Shabbos in the shul. We had a Project Inspire weekend. We brought 50 kids from um, Binghamton, from Sunni Binghamton. And uh, we put them up and we had a whole Shabbaton with singing and dancing and shiarm. It's really wonderful. And what's always refreshing when you're on the front side is the Sheifa and the Retson and the Bakasha that the kids have to get in on this wonderfully fulfilling lifestyle. So my son asked me, my 14 year old son asked me, he says, you know, isn't this kind of cheating? He said, I'd also want to become from, he is from, I'd also want to become from, if you bring me in for Shabbos and you have an Enyk Shabbos with Chont, and then you have delicious meals, you bring them to nice houses and a nice shul, and then you have singing and dancing, and then another Enyk, and then you have a pizza mall with with swimming. See, so isn't that cheating? He says, we're just showing them that Yiddishkeit is fun. Good question. The answer is, it is fun. So then he said, can I go swimming? I said, no. You have to get off your yeshiva tomorrow. So... <laughs> There's a balance, of course, and obviously, when you're doing Kyiv, you put your best foot forward. And the kids are mature enough to understand. As a matter of fact, my son asked me, can I mention to one of them, we don't do this every single Shabbos? <laughs> so I said, if you really want to, but just tell them, we sort of do this. We do have Suddhs and Shal and sometimes we sing and dance. So, um... He didn't bring it up. Somebody was listening to a conversation. He said, you know, I'm going to mention it to them. I want to see the reaction. And they were mature enough to understand that obviously we're parting a little more than usual. But the recruitment wasn't lost on them. They see at the end of the day, they're saying, who really enjoy life in a very important way, in a deeper way, in a, in a way that they have contentment, in the way they have nachas from their children, in a way where there's a blend of the ruchnius and the and they see that. And of course, I got a call. That's right, for Shabbos. Whenever you have a Shabbaton like this, there's always a couple of people who slip through And a young lady called me. And she said she had an awesome time. It was actually absolutely incredible. And she's really into it and she plans on going to Israel soon in a few months. She just wanted to talk to me about her mother who was raised as a Catholic and her grandmother who was raised as a Catholic. She wants to know she's Jewish. And um, based on the background, uh, she told me chances are probably not. Okay, my father's Jewish, and you know, they didn't, the vetting process is not always perfect. That's nobody's fault. And she was beside herself. She said, Well, can I come up to Muncie this Tuesday and just get the whole thing done? <laughs> so uh, I asked her, Which Tuesday? <laughs> Tuesday a year or two from now. But the point is that these, these are intelligent young men and women, and they understand positive attitudes and positive energy when they see it. And that's the key. The key is the positive attitude. I quoted him this year before, that um, I saw quoted from a uh, a Chosheva therapist that they're realists, no one, no one ever claims they're a pessimist. No one's a pessimist, they're optimist, and then the pessimists claim they're realists. And the realists claim that they're just being real about everything and true to their machshavas. Uh, whatever they think in life becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy is they never really reach their goal because they really don't believe in themselves. They don't think they can do it. And the optimist in life takes a look at all the obstacles and he says, the obstacles, so why don't jump over them? And then they reach things they couldn't imagine they would aspire to. And that's the difference between an Avodis Hashem B'Simcha and an Avodis Hashem where it comes, you do it. It comes with the catching. and it comes with the Lack of ability to see that this is not an obstacle course. Sometimes you're trying to jump over them and you got to do mitzvahs. You bump into them once in a while, what can you do? Every mitzvah is a diamond, every mitzvah is an opportunity. And this message is clearly getting across to our son. The Simcha Sachayim. The energy, the Simcha, the Shifa. And uh, I think it speaks to us in our generation. The Alchaim HaKadosh. Texts the the Pasuk, L'Raw be bi- B'Yisrael. So Rashi says, mi M'Zavayr. This is the bracha of the eyewitness, Bilam Arashah. Uh, Archaim HaKadosh says, Sha'a Tzadikim Hagam Sha'es HaMitzuz V'chal Oskam B'Terah. The people who are really involved in their ruchmi is, Ena Magishin She'yesh La'am Omo. They don't look at this as amo. Amo is Tircha. amo Omo B'Yisrael. Bi- the people who are really excited about their Avedis Hashem are skipping to their destination. are on a high. They're on a cloud. And Bill and saw not only were the yidn doing the mitzvahs, but they were doing it with Zerizas. They were doing it with the Slavus. And that makes all the difference. People aren't blind and you can't fool them. And especially younger children, look at your Avadah Hashem. If it's not real or if it's real, but intellectually, you know you have to do it, but you're not excited about it. You're not smiling. And you're not jumping at the opportunity, but you get it done. You get to at the end. You do what you have to do. You got to dive in. You got to get stuck in. You, know? you got to write the check anyway. You might as well do it with Islamists. You must well do it with simcha. You got to dive in anyway. You might as well have a coffee and wake up for the experience. You'll enjoy it more. You got to learn anyway. So you might as well do it with an approach that looks like you're getting into it, and then by nature you will get into it. This applies to Ben Adam as well. The Sissachayim points out something very fascinating. He says that Abmavinu is given one description in Chumash and a completely different description in the Rambam. The Rambam in this talks about the Ishtashulus of Abmavinu, how he recognized the Khariborahu, and how when he did, he started debating the people and he started spreading the word and trying to bring thousands under the banner of monotheism, and he succeeded, and the Ramam, at great length, gives you the whole of how Abram Avinu grew in his Amuna, how he brought others in. In Khamish, we don't see anything about this, the Farish. You have a Muslim about his showdown with Orkazdin, because he didn't want to recognize the... of all of at the time, so Nimrod was sick of him and wanted to kill him. And we see that the Pesach describes how he brings in Archim, so we know Rashi from the Chazals, that he brought the Archim, and then he fed them tongue and mustard, and when he asked them to thank Akash Baruch they said, we don't believe in Hashem. And he said, okay, if it's for me, then here's the bill. And then all of a sudden they believed in a Baruch And they said, well, we don't want to thank you, who should we thank? And he taught them about God. Why is it that in the Torah all we have is highlighting the chesed of Avmavinu and the Ramam talks about his journey to Amuna and to bring others in. Sounds like two different stories. A very interesting kashas. Hissachayim says that it's exactly the same thing. Avmavinu understood that if you want to teach people about HaKadosh Baruch Hu, listen carefully it's a very important yesud in of Karevim and of and care of ourselves. If you want to teach people about a Baruch you have to teach people about the essence of a Baruch So let's for a moment put on our uh, Kabbalah caps. Ramchal talks about uh, the very mysterious topic. Why did Hashem create the world? Why did Hashem create the world? We would say it might be none of our business, but the Ramchal says to understand a little bit is our business, why did Hashem create the world? Hashem created the world because He wanted to be native. He wanted to do chesed on others. And Hashem wants to give us Olam Haba, which is the greatest chesed. So, new, so why did He put it straight into Olam Haba? It's a lot safer. So we know the concept of Nama de Kisufa. If you eat bread of embarrassment, no, human beings don't like getting things for free. Although some people I know beg to differ. But the nature of human beings that they're not supposed to like getting things for free. And if Hashem puts humans straight in Olam puts the Neshama straight in Olam they're not going to really enjoy it. So if you really want to enjoy it, you have got to work for it. So Hashem created Olam Hazar with all the Nisyanis as a struggle, and we got to pass. And then once we get Olam after working hard, it's going to be gershmak. But otherwise, human beings don't appreciate getting things for free. So Kasha everybody asks us, so why didn't Hashem create us? As human beings that enjoy getting things for free. Hashem creates us, He wants to create us. So why Hashem just created us that will love only getting things for free, and they can put us straight into my Bond, it's a lot safer. Why didn't Hashem do that? The answer is a very important yesoid. Hashem, in his great kindness, wants to create us in Selim al-Akim. Selim al-Akim means we're diamond to Akash By definition, you can't give a Baruchu anything, because Hashem's not missing anything. So Hashem can never take, he can only give. So by nature, it's that it means human beings are only functioning at their best when they give and they don't take. And that's why we have to go through this world to be able to give our best. We're not giving anything because it does not need us. But to be able to go through the struggle, so we're not getting a free lunch. Since Achayim says that the reason we only see in Chumash the chesed of Armavinu as Avinu understood that the only way to show people HaKadosh Baruch Hu is to show them chesed. Because that's what the Bri is all about. Hashem created us as one big act of chesed to be native to us. So in order to be dharma to HaKadosh in order to be tsalam alakim, in order to understand what HaKadosh Baruch Hu is, we have to focus on one need and that is to be native to others. So Abba Vinu invited them in and gave them tongue and mustard and a pained Avram Avinu saw when he couldn't do chesed that when it was 150 degrees out and no one was out because they wouldn't survive the experience. Of Baruch saw suffering and he sent Malachim. So asked the obvious Kasha, why is it chesed to do a kind deed with somebody who doesn't need it? And Malachim didn't need the tongue, didn't need the mustard, got zero hanar from that. So why does that help Abram Avinu? The answer is that it help Abram Avinu do the mais of chesed. The mais of chesed is so important to be done with HaKash It's irrelevant whether the recipient needs chesed. Now we have limited resources. You might as well find somebody who needs the chesed and accomplish both. But that's not the point of chesed. The point of chesed is to be made to... The more we're to, the more we're done with HaKash And that's why in Chumash all you see is Abram's chesed because the chesed is what taught... Him, who Akhar Baruch Hu is, and how he taught others, who Akhar Baruch Hu is, and that's why the Ben Adam Lachaveru aspect is not, as we always assume, is Ben Adam Makam, Ben Adam Lachaveru. There's no two categories. We we break them up because it's easier to run the mitzvahs that way. But every time we are going out of our way to do chesed with others, we're being medama, self to Baruch Hu, and we're becoming one with Akhar Baruch Hu. That is why there's a chiyuv. And I've had this discussion with people. They say, you know, people come to me, I give checks. People come for help, I do chesed. Is there any union, any chiyuv to look to do chesed? To look around and try to figure out what other people need even when they're not coming to you. So practically, there's a big might because then the people who are too embarrassed to ask for help, whether financially, emotionally, whatever the case may be, will be helped when you look for them, when you seek them out. But that's not the only reason. The reason is because our chiyuv to become more telling alakim is to act like a Baruch Hu didn't have to create this world, didn't have to create us, didn't need all this. Hashem Kabiakh went out of his way to do something he didn't have to do just to be native And that's why the Bharma Khaber aspect is integrally part of the Banon Makam aspect. And we look to do chuva. The best way to be b'din, all the Bali must say this, is number one, to make yourself valuable to others. The Sholev part is when they look at the Dinah Shemayim, they look at your Averis and your Mitzvahs, and even if you don't make the grade, they look at the total picture, how valuable you are to others. So even if you didn't make the grade, if you're needed by other people, family members, friends, neighbors, institutions, then they might decide to keep you and give you another chance even though you don't deserve it. That's the Sholev but it's a good thing to focus on, a good thing to motivate you. The Rishma part is the fact that your purpose here is to be Mekad Shemayim and to do the Chesed to be madama to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. and the more active you are in doing that the closer you become to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. and the Chesed doesn't have to be again, does not have to be a check does not have to be meals, all those are included the biggest chesed could be getting somebody who's not holding a learning, a friend sitting next to you in shul. And you see, he's not holding where he's supposed to be, so invite him, sit him down, you want to learn for a half hour, invite him to a shir, get him into it. And the women have, they have no chiv and talmatera, but women need chizek. in the areas that are common to men and women, being nice to people, the uh, Berm all the Lush and Hara categories, all the various tefillah, all the various mitzvahs we share in common. They also have a major role in the Talmud Torah. I spoke about this with I think we had a gathering last year by the, the hillo. I touched upon this, but this is crucial for the tshuva process of taking stock. Uh, women on Ashim Ticcaniyas have a very difficult Nisayan. I'm not sure who has the more difficult Nisayan. The men who come home from a hard day's work, and have to now go to the best Majdash, even though they're exhausted, and go to their Chabus and go to their Shir? Or the women who haven't seen their husband all day, and now they wolf down a dinner and quickly do some homework and then start flying out the door, and the women, fully understandable, say, where you guys, going I'm going to learn. Remember we spoke about this when we went out before we got married? It's good to remind uh, everybody of that. And they say, yeah, and you said you were looking for a guy who's really, uh, his life is around Terry and Kaveh And it's true. They're all looking for that. And they're still looking for that. You have to understand, it's a very difficult thing to, I'm saying this to the men and to the women, it's very difficult to have a wife who is uh, very firm and very with the program and gets tremendous nachas in your learning. At the end of the day, and it's really the end of the day, when you finally show up and then you have to run out, It's an historian every single night, and the men have tried to convince me that their nisayin is tougher. I'm not convinced. The I of the men are going to learn, and if they listen to the first half of this rajah, they're going to learn with gusto and with geshmak, and in the middle of an interesting sugi, and they have a great Harusa, they're going to a great cheer. It's kishmak. And the women might be going back to a very difficult bedtime. We call it crazy hours. Some houses have crazy hours. It goes on for uh, a long time, sometimes till 9, 10 o'clock at night. And. I'm mentioning this because I, I had just last week a conversation with a young lady in our in our community. Uh, very wonderful, I have nothing but praise for the Nosherim Zikaniyos. And the fact that she called me, I think, was a mile. She called me to tell me that her husband, who's in my shear at night, we first start shear at nine twenty in the evening, and we have chabushes before that. So, and this guy works very, very hard. And she called me and she said uh, she just wants to review the schedule. When exactly is she supposed to see him? She said it a little nicer, but that's what it boiled down to. And um, I told her that uh, I uh, sympathize with your position. It's very difficult. It's tremendously serious, nefesh, but la the alternative is, he only gets to learn an hour in the morning, an hour at night. The alternative is him staying home and cutting his learning by 50%. I said, uh, he needs this, you need this, the family needs this, for the schloss, everybody needs this. I said, this is your biggest messiris nefesh, and it's for the biggest Indian imaginable. And uh, she heard that, and she said, okay, so when do I get to see him? <laughs> I don't have a, a great answer. There's a Sunday. I don't give sheer all day Sunday, uh, I give shear in the morning and uh, then there's um, I asked I said did your husband go to sleep as soon as he gets home after marriage at 10.20 the answer should be yes because he gets up at 5.30 in the morning for but the answer is often no so it's a battle and if the battle is going on in your home then you're perfectly normal I'm worried if the battle is not going on either your wife is not normal you you accidentally married a lamad vovnik, or you're not embedded in the struggle (laughs) there has to be a struggle every day. It's not shaykh. For, for regular mortals, this is an ongoing struggle. The biggest mire you can have in the chinuch of a child is, besides doing some homework with them when you're home, is to see that Tati is being made senefish to go out and Mommy is being made to send them out. As hard as it is. Many people feel that they're married 5, 10, 15, 20 years and they're still fighting such a battle. It says must be they're doing something wrong with the scheduling. It's not true. Certain difficult battles, where the battle is most difficult, that's where the schar is most rewarding. And when it comes to an era, I'm picking up Tamatera, there are other examples, but Tamatera I find in a schedule of a working Ben Terra, many of whom are sitting here, is the most difficult and brutal in terms of getting used to. And many women have asked me, When do I get used to this? And I told them, When he retires. That's the only uh, I don't wanna I don't want, to, I don't want to mince words. There's no way to create more than twenty four hours of the day. And if the husband's a malamid in a yeshiva, her husband's a Kleikish, it's uh, just as tight if not tighter. But the battleground is there and it has to be fought. And it has to be fought in a way where you realize there's a never is going on and it it's difficult. On the one hand, be honest with yourself. On the other hand, not let the difficulty make it that it sours, that now it's just the same grind and he's going out and it's a problem. Then the kids just see the negative part and they don't see the, the victory in the struggle. Kippur some Samar Mekermis is almost out of time. Two encouraging notes. The famous Yomar and Yuma which quotes Rabbi Akiva. I'm Rabbi Akiva, I'm Rabbi Akiva. I'm Rabbi Akiva. I'm Rabbi Akiva. i Comes Yamin Aram, you're going to have a taira process. Who is taking care directly of this taira process? Akash Baruch Hu, Adishem Shabbat Shamayim. It quotes two psukim: Shnei Mar, Zarakti Alechem Mayim Taharim et Tahartem. I'm going to throw Mayim Taharim on you. This represents the water from the Paraduma. Take a dip in the ashes, and you sprinkle it on somebody. That's the way to become tar. And then it quotes the second positive: Aimer Yisrael, Hashem Ma Mikve Mataris Atnei, Afakadosh Baruch Hu Mataris Yisrael. So the Atar of the malach the so Safer from our palm, brings down a very interesting shot that he quotes from the son of uh, Rabbi Yitzhak Ochanan, who was the Rav and Kovna. Why would the Pasuk require two different angles on the Tiret process? You have one mikvah, and the other one is Zrikas Mayim from Paraduma. Why are both necessary? You want to say Tiret process? A mikvah's fine. What, what does the mikvah represent? What does the Zrikas Mayim represent? So he said, a fascinating idea. He said, people again get depressed. They see Yom Kippur is coming and they have a lot of things to achieve about and they feel it's just insurmountable. There are too many categories. So he said, there's one mahalach for tzaddikim when they have a contained amount of material to fix up that they really, with confidence, can go into the mikvah and come out completely tar but submerse themselves completely in the mikvah that they are changed people. They go through the process, no similarity in living at dead to what was before. That's an unbelievable madrigal. Most people in not to that. Most people know from the previous Roshan and Kippur that they're not going to make a total change. The metamorphosis over here is not going to be that you don't recognize the person anymore. That would be wonderful. But it usually doesn't happen. So the Gemara eludes by quoting the second Pesach, Zalakti Alecha Maim is a din by Zerikas Maychatas. If you sprinkle the water and the water hits even a pinky even the tip of a finger. It touches any part of the body, the person becomes tired. So he says the second way to get in on it is even if you can't get your whole body in, take one or two things you think you can make a change in and use them and that will create the entire process for the entire body a beautiful idea. And he says, that's why the Gemara quotes both. There are tzaddikim who can throw themselves in completely. And then there are those who have to take a cheshpin, start writing everything down, and pick a couple of categories that they can really improve on. So how do you do that? So I want to share with you one inspiring myself. From, this is from the Medjush. There's a similar Gemara and the Gemara in Tindis, which shows you that despite our Madreger lack thereof, there's plenty that we can do in the serious nefesh in our own
1: arena
0: he had no money no food no money it was erev Shabbos he needs to bring up something for Shabbos and a jewel came down and it wasn't a gigantic diamond it was enough he gave it to the uh, money changer, had enough for Shabbos, very nice, lavish meals, came home with the food, he never came home with anything more than burnt challah, so his wife was, uh, the and was shocked, where did you get this from? He Hashem gave it as a gift, don't worry about it. If you don't tell me where you got it, I'm not tasting anything. I don't know she was cheshed that he robbed the bank, she just wanted to know what happened, you'll see why soon. I don't normally do this asking for an ace but we were desperate and I need challah and basic fish for Shabbos. I'm not tasting anything unless you promise me you're returning it. But I don't know, if you promise they return it then they eat all the fish so how are you going to return it? So okay, so I guess you return the remainder whatever it is. I'm not living like this and I don't want the... Um, I don't want quote unquote the favorite Miner Shemayim. Amalama Amullah If you want to go to Shemayim and find that your friend's Shochun is Mullah due to their mysterious nefesh and your Shochon is missing something, you remember the parallel story to this with the with the golden leg that was missing? Same idea. Rabbi. So Shemin ben Halafter went to his, his, his Rabbi who was Rabbi Danasi. And he said, so Look, we have a machikas and a skafal to me, my Rebbitzin. That's what the Rebbe's for Can you please uh, solve it? So Am it's is very fascinating. Amalai Sir so Rebbi said to him, Lechemola, she wasn't there. He went to ask the Shiloh for her. Lechemola, go tell your good Rebbitzin. And Chasser Ani Amalenu Mishali. He says, Don't worry about a thing. If your asked him, if your table is missing, I will fill in the missing gaps for my table. A good deal. And he's got quite a large table. So he went home and told us Rabbit the good news. And um, she was not satisfied. After he told the story, says, I want you to take me to your Rebbe. I'd like to discuss it personally. So she walked in, He said, How are you going to fill in our table? Are you going to see our table? And the message goes on to the scribe, based on that everybody has the wrong booth, and nobody sees what everybody else has, and I, she told Rabbi Danasi, the greatest respect, I believe your offer is very sincere, but I don't think you can help us, I don't think you're going to see us. And you can't go visit your friends, and, you know, you're just there being nana vashkhinah. Kind of so, the parallel Gemara and Barbasra at Ayan Hay that talks about the uh, different chuppahs, the different booths that everybody's going to have. Everybody's going to get burnt from their other friend's chuppah. So, this can be terribly embarrassing. This Gemara is Mashma. They can see there is some basis of comparison. else, why, why would they be embarrassed? So, I saw that Dessler brings down the Marshal, not Gemara. The Marshal says something which is Nageya to everyone. He said, There was no doubt that al Benassi was far greater than his Talmud. Well, was great in his own right, but we did he was the God of Adar. And yet, the Gemara seems to indicate that everybody is going to be burnt from the chuppah of their friend. Both directions. He says, look at the Rashbam over there, the cotton is going to be burnt by the Gadol. Look what I could have accomplished. Marsha says he doesn't think that's necessarily the chat. He thinks there's a possibility everybody can be burnt by everybody else even though one person is clearly overall a greater person. Why is that? So, There's always a certain area of Avedis Hashem that this is unique to your Nisayan, and your mysterious Nefesh doesn't exist in the other person's mysterious Nefesh because they don't have to have mysterious Nefesh. Case in point, which Rav Dassel says is this story with Rabbi Danasi. Rabbi Danasi said The original message to Rav Hashem Michalapta's Rebetzin was, don't worry, I'll fill it in. Nothing to worry about. I'll take from my tzchusim, I'll fill it in. You can have what to eat, don't worry about it. Her message back, and this was uh, very perceptive of her, because Rabbi Danasi was my she said that you can fill in any category, almost any category you have over us. There's one category that we have over you in Mesiris Nefesh, and that is you, Rabbi Danasi, are tremendously wealthy. He was the wealthiest person in the generation. And we are living on nothing. That's the only Maila I have, and that tells me that's my sign in life. If you give us this food, I lose the one Mailah I had and this possible, this is my whole sign. He says you can't fill this in because you don't have this nisayan yourself. Very powerful idea. That means that we can't always look at everybody who we feel is doing much better with the assumption that, well, we're not doing well and therefore maybe it's not for us, for hulu hulu. Maybe our Nisoyen is the Mesiris Nefesh we have to learn a half hour, to be Zayar and Shemir Soloshim for three hours a day as opposed to the whole day, to give this amount to stock, even though it doesn't approach anybody else's amount. You can't compare because Hashem is judging us based on our own Mesiris Nefesh. And that's a very personal thing. So when you make your lists for Yom and Arayim, make sure you make the benchmark where you're judging yourself against your own capabilities, not somebody else's. That's, an, that's a, that's a mania side. Be honest with yourself to know that there's more that you can do. Be honest with yourself to know that there's a limit and try to strike somewhere in between. And in terms of Kabbalahs, again, do yourself a favor. Write this down for next year or else we'll be here in a year from now. You won't know where you succeeded or where you failed. Whatever the hours are learning, whatever the Zaheer is in Shmir and in Isfaklis Aserim, in Chesed, in Stokka, whatever category, in for Tzvilo. Make a Kabbalah in a few categories that are real. I tell people, the Esrei, the first bracha is Ma'akev. Start with the first bracha. People say, I can't have Kavana, I'm in a rush. Have Kavana the first bracha. First of all, it's Ma'akev. And second of all, if you have Kavana the first month or two for the first bracha, you'll add a bracha every couple of months. Small, steady steps. People feel that in their line of business, they go to work, they can't probably practice shmears and I and they work in Manhattan. So they just give up. No shmears and I in Manhattan. The whole city is exempt. There's no such thing. It's extremely difficult and it's come out of situation, you won't accomplish everything. So start to practice one day a week on the way in. Practice one lunch a week when you go out. Practice skipping lunch so you don't have to see it. There are ways to have gradual change. but you got to market you got to see the change. You got to come back next year and see what did work and what didn't work. So, next year we'll all be together. Hopefully, in Eitz Row. we'll be able to mark ourselves. We'll have carbonus Meitz to give us the kapara for the few things that we're still working on. Meitz will all be there. Babrius and Banachas. I show everybody a